the governors uh, got together and said, look, let, let's play for a hog. Let's play for a pig. Ben and Eric gather at their laptops. One's a gopher, one's a hawk Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pot of Rosedale, a bronze pig full of hot takes. We are getting ready for the 2023 football season coming up. Eric, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. There's Eric, co-host. Yep, there's Eric. Ben's here. We're certainly going to be talking Iowa and Minnesota plenty throughout the football season, but we're not here. We're not, we're not the important ones here. The important one here is we've got Paul Fanson, staff writer for Spartans Illustrated, to come and help us preview the Michigan State Spartans for the 2023 season. Paul, thank you for being here. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Should be a good conversation. Yeah, looking forward to it. So, I mean, Michigan State's it's been well, a couple of years since Iowa and Michigan State have played. Let's kind of talk a little bit about 2022 first. Overall, probably not great, five and seven, not where you want to be. But why don't you talk about maybe some of the things that did go well in 2022 and then maybe talk about why that record wasn't as strong as you probably hoped it would have been going into the 2022 season. Sure. Well, I think before we kind of understand 2022, I wanted to just touch on kind of what went right in 2021. Okay. Um, because of course, coming into the off season, the, the Spartans were you know coming off a I believe eleven and two record, had won the Peach Bowl over Pitt, although that game was a little bit underwhelming because we had a lot of guys skip the game for the NFL sure. uh, draft, and it was it was not the prettiest football game if you actually watched it. But we did get the victory there, so there was uh, very high expectations coming into twenty twenty two, and you know things got off to an okay start. I don't think. Um, Spartan fans were terribly overwhelmed by the performance in the first two games. I think we beat both uh, Western Michigan and Akron. So, sure. you know, it's sort of games that the the best thing you can, there's really not a lot of positive. It's really only negative. I mean, if you, if right. you win 56 to nothing, then it's like, well, why didn't you win 65 to nothing? Right. But the, the problems started to mount kind of in the beginning. And it was really, you know, I hate to use the excuse of injuries, but Michigan State had a lot of pretty significant injuries that kind of mounted over those first few weeks. Um, most notably in the first game, we actually lost probably our best linebacker, Darius Snow, who went out with a very nasty lower body injury. Um, and it's still not maybe 100% recovered now. Like I, I expect to see him this fall, but uh, that was a big blow. And then we also found out uh, much later that actually quarterback uh, Peyton Thorne got dinged in the second half of the first game. And so over those first couple of weeks, those injuries kept mounting. We eventually also lost our uh, top wide receiver, Jaden Reed, to, um, I believe he actually slid off the field and his back hit the opposing bench, causing some sort of laceration. So he was out for a couple of weeks and it kind of snowballed. And so we uh, we got into that third game, was a road trip to Washington. And um, I'm not sure if uh, you guys have seen some of the stats of Big Ten teams trying to play out on the West Coast in the regular season. And it's uh, pretty abysmal for the whole conference, quite honestly. It's a it's a it's a thing that's been documented. I think I've probably mentioned once or twice to Eric before, and he's he's a bit skeptical. But it's a lot harder going west than going east. Iowa's record going out west has been pretty disastrous as well, and the Rose Bowl and just not pretty. So I can relate. Yep. So that game uh, that game went very very poorly. <laughs> they just uh, you know Washington just lit up the Spartans in that particular afternoon or evening here, as as I recall. Um, but then the in- injuries continued to mount. We wound up losing. You know, our best, we basically lost our best safety and kind of the um, the captain of the defense, Xavier Henderson, went out. Uh, we lost our best D lineman and um, Slade was out for a while. The offensive line was banged up from the very beginning. Um, and then we also, we had that one guy named Kenneth Walker III. Maybe right. you've heard of him. He's pretty good. And he was also in the NFL last year. So all of those things together kind of added up for a, a very rough 
beginning of the season last year, which I think, I think Eric's the Minnesota fan, right? I apologize. Right. For yep. That's Sorry. right. Yep. So we just want to, um, I expect a nice fruit basket for the Spartans' performance <laughs> against Minnesota last year. Before that, that game, I had predicted Michigan State to destroy the Gophers, and I was completely wrong about that. I, yeah, Paul, I don't know how many Gopher fans you've met, but they, they tend to be pretty fatalistic. In a we're defeatists. We're, we're just made that way. Well, well, I hope we gave you a nice boost of uh, confidence and joy that <laughs> oh, day. It, it, um, oh, yeah. God, yeah, that was bad. It, it was that I it, before the point I was I was writing on Minnesota because I thought they had a pretty not weak non-conference. I mean Colorado was maybe the best team, but that was a really bad Colorado team last year. But then the, the hype started to go crazy after that just utter domination. The wheels fell off. So yeah, you mentioned Kenneth Walker, who's now a Seahawk. Thank you for that. You're welcome. But I was looking at usage, and it was just and this must be maybe it's a Mel Tucker thing, and maybe it kind of implying it's also personnel, right? So 2021, Michigan State definitely ran more than they passed. By a good mark, I think 53, 54% of the time they ran. In 2022, that switched a bit because um, you don't have Kenneth Walker anymore, and all of a sudden the Spartans pass uh, somewhere like 54% of the time. Is that simply just go wherever the personnel and the, the talent is? You know, you have a couple of great wide receivers, Peyton Thorns, fighting injuries, but a pretty solid quarterback. Is that really the product of, of just, hey, we got to do whatever we think is going to work in any given year? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. And, and some of it was just the running game never really got off the ground last year. And I think I mentioned a, a moment ago that the offensive line was banged up literally from the spring game. And they they really never quite got traction. And so I think they tried to run on first down. And when you get you know a yard every time, then you wind up throwing the ball a lot. So I, th- I think it was really just, you know, and they had several running backs, but, you know, some, you know, they had three or four that played, but sometimes when you have four running backs, you don't have any. And I think that was the case that last year. I can just tell you as an Iowa fan, just because you struggle to run the ball, doesn't mean you can't just keep running the ball and keep running the ball. You, you It's it's a choice you can make, you know, you can I'll never just, expect it. Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll work better. That Eventually you'll get four yards. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Once or twice. <laughs> and you can't throw okay. any interceptions when you're running the ball. You know, it's very safe. So you mentioned Peyton Thorne. He's at Auburn now, Correct. right? How do you see the quarterback? Is there the competition? Is it, do you think it's pretty settled at this point? Yeah, there's kind of, I mean, there's three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. One of them is a true freshman, Sam Levitt. So, you know, he, his name's been tossed around, but, you know, I don't expect a true freshman to roll in, you know, off the high school ranks and start. So it's really a, a two-man race, basically, between uh, Noah Kim, who I believe is is going into his redshirt junior year, and then Kaiten Hauser, who is going into his redshirt sophomore year. I mean, if you look at the recruiting rankings, they they both are are fairly solid. I think they were you know high three star, if not low four star um, prospects. You know, having seen them play in the spring game, they I think Noah Kim, being the most experienced, is very likely the one that will win the job. That's kind of what everyone's assuming. Kaiten Hauser, I mean, this, the second string quarterback's always the most popular guy in any roster, right? So like, there's a lot of folks that are like they they like the new shiny object, but I would he's got the Kim has got two years experience on him. So I, and he's played, um, I think he got one of those garbage time touchdowns against Minnesota. So he, he can throw the ball and, and he seems to be a bit of a gamer. I think he's a little bit more of a, a gunslinger than Thorne was. I think the first snap from scrimmage he took was actually like, it was like 35 yard line. And they just, he just threw like a, like a corner route. <laughs> he just like went for a touchdown on his first pass. So that, that kind of told me something about this kid's mentality. And I hear he's also, one of the faster players on the team. So we might see a little bit more of the, the QB scramble, but I, I expect Kim to win the job. Hauser may get some snaps. We'll see, but I would expect Kim to, to play most of the time at quarterback this year. So yeah, on the topic of Peyton Thorne, I mean, it, it seemed a bit of a surprise with the late transfer. Is there any particular, oh, yes. just, do you think it's just the money? 
I mean, you think that's why, or what would be the reason why he'd transfer? Well, there was a lot of discussion slash hand-wringing about that in East Lansing this spring, as you might guess, because, yeah, he, he put his name in the transfer portal like, like an hour before it closed in that spring window, and it was a really a big shock. But if you watched the spring game and heard some of the sort of the scuttlebutt around that, they were very much making it a competition. And ah. I think that part of it was that, you know, he'd been the starter for two years and I don't, you know, I don't know if he sort of felt like he was entitled to that job. I mean, he would, no one would probably, you know, even if he really felt that, I don't think he would say it, but there was a little bit of that. And I think there was a little bit of NIL and he maybe took some unfair criticism last year due to the fact that he was injured. And so I think it was just a combination of those things. He just decided that maybe a, a fresh start was better. You know, sometimes all of, all of the above is the right answer. And I think it was just that combination of things. With the change in quarterback, do you think this is going to be more of like a defensive first identity team? I think it's going to have to be um, this year because there's a, I mean, there's a lot of weapons that aren't coming back on the offense, not just the quarterback. We also lost our two top wide receivers. Um, as I mentioned, Jaden Reed is now a Green Bay Packer. He was, you know, one of probably our top offensive weapon last year kind of rising star wide receiver, a kid by the name of Keon Coleman actually transferred to Florida state in the off season. And that was also equally kind of a shock. And there was, there was even some discussion that maybe there was some friction between Thorne and Keon. I, I don't know if that's true. I think that was over overblown. Anyway, they're both gone now. So, you know, the, the wide receiver room's a little thin, like our top, our top returning receivers, a, a kid named Trey, Trey Mosley, who's kind of a possession receiver. So I don't know if we have a lot of guys that can really take the top off of defense. Um, there may be some young guys in the room that we haven't seen yet, but betting on something never seen is usually a tough prospect. So, so yeah, the offense, it could be ugly. I mean, there might be some playmakers that we haven't seen. We picked up some line, uh, running backs out of the portal again. That worked, that worked two years ago. Yeah, nobody so, knew how good Kenneth Walker was going to be. Yeah. Just all world. So, yeah, you just don't know. Still sticking to 2022. Been working on my season preview, the opponent previews. And it stuck out to me, Michigan State's pass defense. Last in the Big Ten with two interceptions, which is a real low number. That is, is just that not bad? a lot of turnover. Yeah, it's that's bad. it's not great. And just giving up. And, and you got some good passing. If you're in the Big Ten West, you might have been okay. There are not, not too many great passing teams in the Big Ten West. You'd been all right, probably. A lot of great passing teams in the East. It just looked like a lot of third down conversions given up. And just it was that product of pass rush, secondary. I mean, what what do you see as the biggest reason why? Maybe they struggled in the past defense realm. Well, the past defense has been a problem for a few years now, and it is a concern, especially since if you go back to some of the the more, I don't want to say elite, but I mean, we had 10 years ago, we won the Rose Bowl, and that was a very good set of teams under, under Coach D'Antonio that had a, and the secondary was kind of the heart of the defense back then. And it's really kind of hard to figure out what has changed because some of the coaching staff is, in fact, you know, the DB coach actually went to Florida State. Uh, Harlan Barnett as the defensive coordinator is now back. And if you look at Mel Tucker's resume, he's a defensive coach. He was a defensive back under Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. And he was, you know, he's a defensive minded guy. So like, it's kind of perplexing from a coaching standpoint, why these guys aren't better. Now, from a talent standpoint, you could argue that the cupboard was a little bit bare. Um, so maybe you miss on a, you know, if you miss on a couple of recruiting classes, sometimes you wind up in a hole, tried to fill that hole with some guys from the portal. That's always a crapshoot. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it is a bit of a puzzle, and and I I mentioned last uh, last year that when Xavier Henderson went down, our uh, kind of senior safety who was very much the heart and soul of the defense, like I think that right before that Minnesota game, and like they were lost, 
that looked like they had never played football before back then. Oh, so they're like out of position. They're just not quite where they should yeah. be, that kind of thing, the communication yeah. and being in the right exactly. coverage. I think there was a lot of problems that hopefully gets better this year. I, say, I think the coaching staff should know what they're doing, so I don't know. And, and it's one of those things, as the coaching staff, you at least – being that it's August and we're all optimistic about our teams, you think maybe right. this year it'll be better. That brings up open. an interesting question. So like Mel Tucker, he signed a big deal, right? Like a 10 year. Is this a make or break season for him? You think having the great season in 21 and then a step down in 22, is this kind of a, a real turning point for him? Well, um, I don't think this year necessarily will be. I mean, obviously if they miss a bowl game again, the heat's going to be up, but you know, the, the, the university did, did lay out a bunch of money for this guy. So they kind of bet on him, you know, because the thought was back in 2021, when I think it was either right before, or right after we beat Michigan, it's like, if we don't pay this guy, we're going to lose him. Right. And you know, it's a, if you're making those decisions, you're kind of a professional gambler, right? So right. you bet on this guy. And then the next year didn't work out so good. Um, maybe it was injuries. You know, there were some kind of coaching, questionable coaching decisions too that you have to worry about. I mean, the Indiana game that we lost was there was a debacle there. But I think that the schedule this year is also very, very difficult. Like I think I I have it as number six in the country this year with only five SEC teams ahead of us as far as schedule difficulty. So I think there is going to be some patience just because of that. But the the thought is building towards next year that next year should be a lot better. If it's not, then I think it's going to get interesting. But I think I think he's okay this year. You know, things could get uncomfortable in the offseason, but I don't think it's make or break this year. So paraphrase, it sounds like kind of viewing this as a soft rebuild. So even if Maybe Michigan State doesn't go to a bowl game for two years in a row. People aren't going to be happy about it, but hey, he's got to build some stuff. A lot of surprising transfers for the offense. Okay, they got to build some stuff up. Going to get a little bit of a grace period before the heat turns up in 2025. That was was going to be on my list of questions. I was curious about that as well. (laughs) All right, so you mentioned the strength of schedule. Minnesota's got a pretty tough one as well. Iowa is, is not nearly as challenged as either one. Is that really just a product of, well, you're in the Big Ten East, so that means you get Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State every year, no matter what, and then you're getting Minnesota and Iowa. And then what's your other Big Ten West opponent that you get? Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. Nebraska. That's at so, least at home. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but you have to go You have to go to Minneapolis and to Iowa City. Okay. Correct. That's right. And that's tough. Then, okay, those those are tough matchups. I saw the over-under look like four and a half for Michigan State, which says pretty low expectations. Yeah, it depends on where you, I've seen it at four and a half, but that's with uh, the money line kind of, it's a little bit skewed, but I think five and a half I've seen where the money lines more even on both sides. So I, I and in fact, um, you know, I, I actually do my own data analytics and some actual simulations of the season. And if I run through the numbers in a pretty rigorous fashion, I get a expected number of wins of like 5.48. So yeah, 5.5 seems right about right. So if I saw it at four and a half, I should probably jump that over five and a half. Yeah. And I've got it. Interesting. And part of the problem is then you've got Washington at home, and Correct. they're now riding that preseason hype of a top 20. So it's pretty tough if you're top an offense 10, looking to gel. Yes. So on that defense getting better, are you just hoping for, you know, probably not a sea change schematically, but just better injury luck, better health from the secondary, another year of seizing those guys that maybe were getting out of place occasionally, that, that starts to become less and less. Is that the hope? Yes, I think there's a couple things could help. One other problem that we had – specifically at the end of last year on the defensive line, you mentioned the pass rush being an issue and I'd have to go back and actually look through some of the numbers. The pass rush was pretty strong early in the year and it kind of, it kind of faded away, but the combination of injury. And then of course, uh, I'm sure you guys remember the the incident in the tunnel and uh, basically all, almost all the guys that got suspended because of that incident were on the defensive line, the yeah. majority. 
So they were running like, basically they had three D tackles on the roster towards the last two, three games. So they were just paper thin back there, but there's a lot of reason for optimism on the defensive line going into next year because they, everybody's healthy. Everybody's back from suspension. Um, and they picked, they've uh, picked up some pretty good looking candidates from the portal and they even got some incoming freshmen that look pretty good. You know, I, I actually had a chance to talk to some of those kids that um, one of the media opportunities uh, two weeks ago, I believe. And there's a lot of reason for optimism. I think that group could be pretty solid. And again, if Big Ten football or football in general, if you got a good defensive line, to de- that band-aid over some some problems in this and even in the secondary. Oh, for sure. So you mentioned the incident in the tunnel. D- do Michigan State fans just like hate John Harbaugh? What's the sentiment towards him and just the Wolverines as a whole. Is it, is oh. it, I mean, cause I, I'm a Minnesota guy. We have a lot of animosity towards Wisconsin, not so much Iowa, but a lot towards Wisconsin. I, I'm just curious. How is it? How is it on your end with Harbaugh? How much time do you have there? <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting historical complexities in the relationship between the two universities. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is kind of, I don't know. Like he was just kind of an annoying goofball up until a couple of years ago, quite honestly. But I think that there's there's not a lot of nice ways to put this, but um, the University of Michigan, I don't know, you guys are maybe at the right age that this analogy makes sense. To me, they're kind of the Eddie Haskell of the Big Ten, if, if that makes sense. Like they like to portray a certain persona uh, that they're, you know, Mr. Nice Guy, but then like they're sucker punching the beaver when nobody's looking. That's kind of my impression of the Michigan Wolverines as an athletic department. But I mean, in other regards, they're just kind of annoying. And like, they're more annoying when they're winning. They're just, they're just much more tolerable when they're losing because then they don't, they don't run their mouth about right. stuff that they shouldn't run their mouth about. So, yeah, I mean, and actually, I think two years ago, I was asking some MSU fans, it's like, well, would you rather have Jim Harbaugh there or would you rather him go to the NFL? And most people I talked to, they're like, you know what? We kind of like the devil that we know because I, I frankly never thought he was going to beat Ohio State till two years ago. And then two years ago, he did. And it's like, well, it was snowing. I don't think that that's going to happen again in the next decade. And then last year, it's like, oh, well, crap. Now I have to question Ryan Day if he knows actually what's going on over there. So, yeah, they're annoying. They're going to be good this year. And that's that's unfortunate because they're just going to run their mouth. And that's Well, he was supposed to be suspended and then he's not oh. serving the suspension. There's just a lot of weird things about what's going on over there. I, I, I don't quite quite get it yeah i mean like well now the penalty for lying to the ncaa is being threatened with suspension but then actually serving a suspension yeah but i mean that that's that's kind of the way they roll like it's it seems like the penalty you know the actual crime there was he essentially interfered with an investigation and lied to the ncaa they don't like that the actual infraction wasn't that big of a deal i mean it was just contact with a recruit when you weren't supposed to like that happens sometimes yeah and there's even some people that are saying he's gonna he's this is his last year in ann arbor i don't know if that's true and that there's also rumors the NCAA is going to come back with something tougher next year. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. There's always something weird going on in that. So this is that more time. a demography question, but I mean, the distribution of Michigan State fans in the state of Michigan versus Michigan, I mean, is it pretty mixed? I mean, obviously you go towards Ann Arbor. I'm sure it's super concentrated, but outside is it just or just intermixed? How's that like? I mean, is it-, it, it? It's pretty intermixed. I'd say that Ann Arbor being closer to Southeast Michigan, where the kind of population center of the state is, you tend to get a little bit more of a concentration of, of Wolverine fans there. Michigan State fans tend to be more separated. I mean, the other the other kind of cultural divide is that, you know, Michigan State is a, is a land grant school. So it's very much was, was founded with that kind of, you know, ag background. And so as you get 
farther, you know, towards the away from the city, you get more into the agricultural lands. And so you get can they have more Spartans in that area, but it's still pretty mixed throughout. And then there's the folks that didn't attend either university that, you know, like to root for whoever's winning. So there's oh, a yeah. lot of uh, Michigan football fans and Michigan State basketball fans. I think there's a there's a non-zero number of those folks. Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, there, there's a, on a much smaller degree, that's kind of how the state of Iowa is. Iowa won football a lot longer than Iowa State says. So it is a better foothold throughout the state, but the, the ag school is Iowa State and it's more towards the center of the state. So that's interesting. Didn't, didn't know that. So here's a question about your thoughts and the Michigan State perspective on Big Ten expansion. I mean, are you looking forward to not having Ohio State and Penn State on the schedule potentially every year? Is that a good thing or do you kind of like being pinned up against the you know, best programs in the Big Ten consistently? No, I mean, I think, well, if you think about the the sort of big powers in the, the Big Ten East as they are now, like obviously we prefer to play Michigan every year, um, for better or for worse. Ohio State, yeah, I don't need to see them again anytime soon. That's fine. Um, that's not gone well for us recently, and it's that's no fun. Penn State, though, is a little bit different because if, if you guys may or may not remember, but when Penn State joined the Big Ten, they sort of artificially tried to pair us together as kind of rivals. And there's this sort of funny history where there's somewhat of a debate of whether Penn State or Michigan State was actually the first land grant college. It, it was it was us, but they don't they don't understand that every time. <laughs> and so they, 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 we actually play for the land grant trophy, which is, I think, definitively the ugliest trophy in college football. And you should Google that. It's, what, it's what is it? Is it just a piece of paper? No, it's a giant behemoth of a wooden monstrosity that looks like it was uh, planned and executed by a committee of people that didn't know what they were doing. It, it's it's just, it's incredible. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the uh, Canyon Arrow from The Simpsons, the car that was like, you know, had everything on it that's in Homer Simpson design. It looks like that, but only it's a trophy. Got it. Okay, that's, that's a throwback. I've not thought about The Simpsons in that episode in a long time ago. I think I vaguely remember him just designing a car and not having any real concept of what it would actually, how it would function in reality. Yeah, land Got it. Okay. So I, just... I wouldn't mind keeping Penn State on the schedule at least two out of three years, something like that. They're fun to play. So yeah, follow up. So obviously Michigan's most hated number one. What's what's the number? What's the call of the Big Ten team? Michigan State fans generally hate right after. Well, Michigan they usually occupy spots like one through ten. Sure. Okay. So how far down the list we have to go to not get to get out of Michigan? I get you. It, it depends. Like I would say that for a while we had a little bit of a rivalry with Wisconsin going there for a while, both in basketball and in football. You know, and so some people would say that. I don't know if that's so much true anymore. Um, there's a little bit of a rivalry with Nebraska, which is kind of weird. But like, like I, I feel like we actually get a little bit, a little bit more respect from Nebraska than you might expect, because I think when they came into the conference, it was like D'Antonio's peak, and so we were seen as kind of almost a team they wanted to aspire to to knock off almost. And we played them quite a few times there in the first few years there in the conference. But I mean, other than that, you know, we. We we love most of our Big Ten brethren. It's okay. just the one that we'd like to disown. Sure. Yeah. No. That's that's. I mean, that's Eric in Wisconsin. He's pretty ambivalent <laughs> about most teams, but then there's just it's it's Wisconsin. And for me, it's Nebraska. You know, that's the team I irrationally hate. Just oh, that, then that makes sense. Like one well, through ten, just you know. And I grew up in the '90s when they were at their peak, so you got a lot mm-hmm. of trash talk. And they're they're it's, oh, yeah. next year they're going to be right back on top. They're going to be competing with Alabama and Georgia just a couple okay. of years away. Like God, you're in a flat you know, remote populated state, just like us. Tom Osborne here was a few decades ago now. But so, who wouldn't right. want to play for the the team that Tom Osborne coached 30 years ago or 40 years? <laughs> right, like who wouldn't kids want, who didn't know about the Tom era, they were born in 2001 or whatever, you know, yeah. It's uh, already a distant memory. 
Paul, you mentioned running simulations, right? Uh, yeah. Analytics. Just curious, with both Iowa and Minnesota on the schedule, how did those simulations turn out? Is it just like you run it like a thousand times and take the aggregate, or how does that work? Yes. Well, what I do is I, I take all the preseason rankings because that's really the only data we have to work with, and I, I sort of stick those in there. And the, one of the unique things that I do, because like, you know, if you go to like someplace like ESPN, it'll show you like, you know, odds to win this number of games or whatever. And I can do that too, but they don't do it right. <laughs> because as I say, I take in the, the preseason rankings, but the thing is, we know that those are wrong, right? We don't know how wrong they are, but actually I've gone through like 10, 15 years of data and I know what the variance is. So I can put that into my simulation. So I can give you a bell curve for how many games teams will win. And if you go back and check at the end of the year, it's pretty much correct. So, and it's wide. It's, it's really a wide distribution sure. because there's a lot of chaos that can and will happen and you just don't know where it's going to be. But so for um, when I plugged in Minnesota and Iowa, I think Iowa's like considered kind of a fringe top 25 team based yeah, on- Yeah, they're, they're 25 or just out depending on which boy yeah. you look at. They're right there. Yep. And, and Minnesota's like about a half step below that. They're like around 35 or so. When I ran those numbers, I actually could project a point spread for those games, which is- um, MSUs I'm projecting as plus 12 and a half at Iowa and plus seven and a half at Minnesota, roughly. Whoa. Um, okay. Yeah. So we'll see if that winds up being true, but like that's what, because Michigan State's more like 50, 45 to 50, and they're on the road. You know, that's just kind of what it works out to being. And, um, but yeah, what, what I then do for my simulation is, is I can project a point spread. A point spread will correlate to a, a probability to favor team will win or lose that's very robust. And then you just do like, I actually do the season a hundred thousand times. You just do, it's just like dice rolls. It's just make the computer roll the dice, roll the dice on every single game. Oh my gosh. And then you get like aggregate stats. Well, the computer does it. It takes it like four. I know. It's, I'm still impressed that you, I mean, this is something you do. I mean, for, for writing and, and for your own purpose. I mean, that's just fascinating. hundred thousand simulations. Well, I'm an um, engineer after all. That's uh, yeah, that that helps. Yeah, hard hard data. So you're getting what you think the real. So how is this? How would your system compare? I mean, so you're talking about like FPI or when you say ESPN, what? Yeah. A, FPI. Yeah. How how does your system compare to FPI? I mean, just a high level. Obviously, we're not all smart engineers. Well, I mean, the thing that's kind of funny is that at the end of the day, almost all of these systems, the way I view it is the Vegas spread is really the gold standard. Like. And, and I honestly speaking, I don't know how they generate those numbers, but I think they do it in a way that's not unlike how I do it. They're sure. just really good at it. And so every computer system I feel is trying to see how well they can match Vegas, because if they're better than Vegas, you a, shouldn't tell anyone. And right. because then you would make a lot of money and like none of these systems honestly can beat Vegas. So like the FPI, for example, it, it essentially, the only value I see that it has is it allows you to project point spreads beyond just like a week. And it does a pretty good job of that. It's, it's sort of all of these computer systems sort of just tell you different flavors of the same information. And when I've compared my system to the FBI, it does, I can, I can, and it changes from year to year, but I think my record is pretty, it's pretty competitive with the FBI. And in fact, it does better than it sometimes. And sometimes I'll take both my system and its system and combine it. And then you get some sort of more, if they agree, then you sort of, have maybe a slight advantage over Vegas. I was going to say, does your system predict what the Big Ten championship game is going to be? Who Who's in it? Who's playing? I can give you odds on that, yes. I have, um, you know, basically in the East, I have Michigan and Ohio State having almost virtually identical odds, like within like a tenth of a percent. Actually, it's closer than that. <laughs> so okay. Michigan and Ohio State is a, is a toss-up. It's 35% for each. 
Penn State has about a 26% chance to win the East, and then nobody else has got a better chance than 3%. But then I'll, I actually have more comments later. But then in the West, um, Wisconsin is the you know the consensus top-ranked team oh. as of like the easiest schedule. Sorry. Say yeah, they literally so. have the easiest schedule in front of Iowa for the second easiest conference schedule. Oh, that's um, nice. So I give Wisconsin a 41% chance to win the Big Ten West and Iowa a 30 or no, 28%. And then Minnesota and Illinois are basically tied at 10%. I got Nebraska at 5%. So you're saying there's a chance. Oh, there's absolutely <laughs> a chance. There's absolutely a chance. There was a chance. Because that's the thing is that like there's a chance Nebraska is actually much better than we think or Iowa's much better than we think. There's a chance Wisconsin's much worse than we think. That's totally possible. So, you know, that's that's where those numbers come in. Because, like, in a, if you look at something like ESPN, they'll probably tell you that Minnesota's odds to win the, the West, and I haven't checked, that are, like, 2% or 3%. They're much higher than that, actually, because... I like your system better, then. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I co-sign it. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about SP+. Plus. I mean, I, I don't, I don't oh, yeah. know enough to be able to, like, calculate this kind of stuff. I get them kind of mechanically, like, SP+. Plus is rating you based on how you do against the quality of the opponent and how efficient or inefficient your, your team is. But how does your system compare to like an SP plus? It's, as I say, they're all kind of different. They all kind of give you the same information at the end of the day. And I've looked at SP plus a little bit and it's, you know, for any individual game, one system might be more correct than the other, but in the aggregate, if you look at like the whole season, it kind of comes out in the wash. So, you know, FP, the FF that, SP plus is much more actually the thing that's silly. My system is actually very simple. The way I do power rankings and project point spreads, it's not complicated at all. It just is based on final score data, honestly, and schedule, but it's, it works fairly well. And so I think that it's funny that something like SP plus can take all of this data and crank it through the meat grinder and you still get a burger at the end of the day, you know, and it tastes pretty much the same. Well, if you've got any hot gambling tips for us, just, just shoot us an email oh, on the those. DL. Okay. <laughs> Give us a, we won't share them. We'll keep them to ourselves. We'll just yeah. use it to enrich ourselves. Okay, that's awesome. Um, I always like, yeah, there's so many different versions of it, but I always like when we think, oh, Vegas is wrong. We think this point should be two points higher. And you look for those just like incremental advantages. It doesn't take much. You just need a yeah. little bit of an advantage and you can turn that into money. But all right, we're kind of, we kind of are angling towards now the 2023 season. We've kind of mm-hmm. talked about the expectation for Michigan State. You already kind of said five and a half is kind of where you see the the numbers yep. landing for Michigan State. I mean, if you had to pick an actual number for Michigan State wins 2023, where are you at and why? Um, you guys mentioned that I am the staff writer or a staff writer for Spartans Illustrated. I'm also the self-proclaimed chief optimism officer, oh, okay. um, as well as the, the chief data scientist, because I we just I can give myself titles. It's fine. Sure. Um, and so I'm going to be a little optimistic. Um, I think maybe I'm going to say seven and five somehow. Um, okay. I think they are going to find a way to overachieve a little bit, but with the schedule, it, it, and I just kind of pulled that out of my, out of my, not sure. Well, they were forcing you to, to make oh. a golf, right? That's you the know, point. I mean, I can't really mathematically justify that. And, you know, cause the problem is that is, as you mentioned, you know, Michigan's on the schedule, Ohio state's on the schedule, Penn state's on the schedule. Washington's on schedule. Those are all, by some measure, consensus top 10 teams. Even Washington is a fringe top 10. That's going to be real. I mean, do you, can you sneak a win out of one of those? I don't know. Um, and then we, the Spartans go on the road to face both Iowa and Minnesota. And as I mentioned, they're at least a touchdown projected underdog in each of those. So that's half the schedule. So right. you're in seven games, you got to win. 
we got to win one of those and then somehow find a way to win all the rest. I'd like to think that they'll do that. And, I, and I, as I say, I'm an optimist. So I'll go ahead and say, we'll, we'll somehow find a way to win all of those other games and then pick up at least one upset of the games I just mentioned. Now, this is the season okay. for optimism. All the guys, all the players have really improved. They dropped the drop right. body fat. They've added muscle. They're really looking great. All of them, everybody's had great camps, spring camps, fall camps, just been great. Now, that's, that's the season we're in. And I, and I can kind of weave a story. If you look at the schedule, in, you know, the Spartans open with Central Michigan and the Richmond Spiders from the FCS. And, you know, sure. you got to think you'll win those two. And then sure. Washington comes to town week three. And the way that sets up, though, you know, because we mentioned the sort of body clock issues going from, from east to west. Well, coming from west to east is, is not fun either. And unfortunately, that game is not a noon kickoff on the East Coast. Like, I don't know who thought that was a good idea to actually accommodate the visitors. But I, I do think there's a chance that the Spartans could come out and, and play well in upset Washington. And, sure. Um, having talked to some of the players, they seem to have that game circled a bit. Like, they felt like they didn't play well in that game at Washington, and they're kind of mad about it. So I, I've been on the – I've actually on our uh, our rivals message boards went on the record saying I think I predicted upset there. Okay. Again, there's that's one an optimistic six wins. Yeah. But, yeah, that could be it. And then, and then you're three and zero. And I think you got, Mar- I think we got Maryland after that. That's winnable. And you got swagger. Oh, you could start off four and zero, and then you're like yeah. riding really high. Then you just need to win yeah. three of the last eight at that point. And then we'll be probably ranked for no reason. And then, then, then everybody will get excited. That's and, just four and zero votes. I mean, you know, people don't have the bandwidth to pay attention to college football no. enough to like meaningfully rank teams. It's like, no. why it's like to do that, right? Like I care a lot, and I can. It's a struggle to keep up with all the Big Ten games, let alone. Like pack. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I am looking forward to USC, uh, you know, Oregon having to come to the Big Ten for like a, a noon kickoff in November at oh, the 10 a.m. Right. That that part will be fun. Like them having mm-hmm. to just deal with that. That that is I do take a, a little bit of pleasure in that. That's one of the overall I can't justify expansion of the Big Ten being great for college football in quotes. It's bad for college football, but that part will be fun, at least. Seeing shivering kick people living in LA having to deal with snow and freezing cold heads. I know PJ Fleck, he coached in Michigan, Western Michigan. Yep. Is there any like history with the state of Michigan with PJ? How, how do you all feel about our head coach? Oh, he's, you know, I, I'm kind of neutral towards PJ. Like, yeah, he was at Western Michigan. I think the Spartans played them a couple of years and I, I feel like his teams were pretty competitive. Like they were, they were tough to beat. He liked rowing the boat. I remember that. Does he still row the boat? The boat oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a thing. Okay, good. I He's never stopped. Him. I think to not be rowed. million dollars it costs to bring that over to the university. I forgot about that. Well, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the city of Kalamazoo appreciates it, definitely. Yeah. Well, he was pretty um, much West, I, Iowa plays Western Michigan this year, and he was pretty much Western Michigan's best coach ever. You know? Yes. So <laughs> That's true. Um, he's, he's a good coach. I, I don't think I like him very much, but I can't deny that he's a good football coach. Finally got Paul Bunyan's axe back in uh, Minneapolis. And Eric appreciates that. Well, well even though Eric does not like his shenanigans either, Eric's playing cool, but Eric finds him a wee bit, a wee bit embarrassing. Um, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I love our head coach. Everything he does makes me smile. A little sarcasm there. No, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Like, uh, appreciate you talking to you. Thank you so much. Look forward to a good season. The Big Ten's going to be different next year, right? So I guess savor oh, yeah. what it is now. Who knows what it's going to look like next year or the year after that? Yeah, that's true. I'm. No, uh, we don't even know opponents. Forward. You can't. You can't game plan for 2024. You can't run simulations. You don't know who they're playing yet. You know. You know. I'll tell you. I, I spent a, like a week of my time in a rabbit hole trying to figure out like 
the 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 two years after the two years that were announced and how they were going to do that and it, like was this crazy logic puzzle that I couldn't solve and I'm really glad I didn't spend more time on it now that they've completely nuked an extra schedule already so at least I have that going for me but yeah it's going to make scheduling fun and I, I do actually have a quick dark horse candidate in both the east and the west okay okay oh, yeah. love to hear it. I actually am going to pick, actually, even though I told you the stats don't agree with this, I'm going to take Penn State in the East because I think Ohio State's going to stumble and I think Penn State will find a way to beat Ohio State in, in Happy Valley. Or I'm sorry, Penn State will find a way to beat Michigan in Happy Valley, which will give them the tiebreaker. I'll take them in the in the East. And I don't think you guys are going to like this, but I'm going to take Illinois in the West just because, you know, Bielema is a weird dude, but the, he can coach for better for But they lost they so much of their secondary. Year. So Illinois shocked by just how good their past defense was basically as good as Iowa's last year. And I just think it falls back and they, you know, also lose Chase Brown, losing a great running back. I don't know. Um, I, I hope you're wrong on that one. It's, we'll see. It's the hottest take of, that I could make on the West because it was based on almost no information. So No, it's fine. I, I, we appreciate hot go. takes for sure. I'd rather you predict that than Nebraska. That's something my heart can't take. I can't take I'm Nebraska. not crazy. I don't... Uh, I, I love living in this era where Nebraska is just not good at football. I don't want to. I don't want that to change. That's we'll what we would aspire to for the Wolverines. So I, I feel you. Sure, got it. We'll get to find out very, very soon. We're less than two weeks away. We'll get to see real live football. Very excited, Paul. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Thank giving us guys. all your expertise and your high level. I'm. I love the data analysis. This is great. We learned a lot. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.